0: The Paul Kuharski Podcast is brought to you by Yazoo Brewing Company, a Nashville original since 2003.
1: Welcome into the Paul Kuharski Podcast. I'm glad you're joining us this week. Special guest, Evan Silva, Roto World Senior Editor, who writes some of the best, the best uh, fantasy preview columns each week. Uh, Often too much for me to handle Uh, but if it's too much for you to handle, you can skim through it and find your guys. If it's not, you get a really, really good preview of, uh, each game, really good from a fantasy angle, but also really good from a matchup angle. We're brought to you as we are every, uh, every time we put together a podcast by Yazoo brew, um, Nashville made very distinct beer for everyone. You can always find them with their red and white signs. Uh, when you Belly up to a bar in Nashville, you must order one. Or uh, when you're at your grocery store or wherever you buy your beer, Yazoo. Don't miss it. And I'm sure uh, Evan Silva, when he's been in Nashville, has partaken. Evan, welcome. How you doing, man?
0: Doing well, man. Um, listen to your coverage. I was driving from St. Lu- or Chicago to St. Louis the day before the draft, and just listened to the midday 180 for you know three hours of that trip um, you guys had some unbelievable interviews with uh, Daniel Jeremiah Greg Cosell was on a bunch I know, I think you had him on like multiple days um, but that was a great way to kind of enjoy that super boring five-hour drive just listening to you guys riff about football and the draft and you know making some predictions and having some really good guests so thank you
1: for that well, we appreciate that very much. Anything we could do to help people stay awake during a drive, uh, certainly big, and Greg Cosell was big for us. Uh, he came into Nashville to help out with a charity event, and uh, we conned him into staying uh, through the uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of draft week, so we had uh, some real bonus coverage. Want to talk through what the Titans did here in the draft and what you think about it, and then we'll, we'll circle back to kind of talk about um, they're skill-positioned guys and, uh, and what you're envisioning at this stage for them uh, from a fantasy perspective going forward. Um, so let's kind of just go through their draft in order and, and get your thoughts on what these guys uh, may mean for them uh, this year. Uh, and the first one is not going to mean too much for them this year, but uh, so maybe we'll take a longer-range forecast on on Jeffrey Simmons, the defensive lineman from Mississippi State.
0: Yeah, and I think that he was considered by a lot of evaluators to be a top five talent, if not the number one overall talent in the draft. Mike Lombardi mentioned that uh, he thought he was the best player in the draft. I heard that one team had him uh, number one on their board, you know, um, not, you know, just in terms of tape. Uh, And so from that standpoint, I mean, I think they got a good value, but they also took a calculated risk. You know, because this guy is probably not going to contribute in year in year one. I think they probably will start him on the reserve, NFI, and then kind of gauge his recovery. Maybe he could give him some impact late in the year, but I think ultimately probably he's not going to contribute in year one. So from that standpoint, you know, it's it's very much a risk. You know, because you are using a, a very premium draft pick on a guy that you're not going to get anything from in year one. And then, you know, is his recovery going to go smoothly into the future? You know, none of that is none of that is a given, uh, but they clearly identified him as an elite talent in this draft. Um, and, you know, you, you guys were talking about the rumors regarding like maybe them taking a shot on drew Locke. Uh, and so I actually put drew Locke to the Titans in my mock draft. Uh, he wound up fill, uh, falling to number 42 um, but I, I do wonder if their decision maybe came down to taking a guy that they thought was a top-five defensive player in the draft on tape or maybe looking at a quarterback with that 19th pick.
1: They definitely did like Drew Locke. My sense was that they just – I don't know if Drew Locke would have been their second choice at 19, but I know mm-hmm. they thought the Simmons was just too good to pass up. Locke certainly would have been a, a definitive answer on, uh, on Mariota. also also would have been the only quarterback – uh, that would have been under contract for 2020, uh, so they got big decisions ahead there. The interesting thing about Simmons, and it's certainly it's going to depend on how his knee heals, um, but there are guys all over the league who who uh, have recovered from from uh, torn ACLs, certainly uh, barring setbacks. Um, you know, if he does make it back, it could be you know October ish late October when, when he's green lit. And then obviously he's missed training camp and and all of that stuff. And he'll have, uh, you know, a recovery program that he's going through there. If the Titans are in the thick of things at the end of this season, which they may or may not be, obviously, um, two of their last three games against the Houston Texans could be determining factors in the AFC South or in the wildcard playoff race, i would be a nice guy to have added just before going into those games. To have uh, teaming up with Jarrell Casey, pressuring Deshaun Watson, chasing uh, Houston running backs—certainly an X factor. Not the ideal way to be bringing in your top um, draft pick, but um, you know, if you get to that point and his timetable uh, coincides with uh, with the playoff push in the last month. Um it'd be nice to be bringing him in that way, certainly, uh, and it's probably the best the best they can hope for out of him this year. We debated a lot, Evan this this uh, you know, as a first round pick, bringing him in in what's likely to amount as a red shirt year, if not predominantly a red shirt year. you're giving up a fifth of his contract uh, as as you sign him. You know, and how much is is that worth? It and we went round and round until until we got dizzy. It's a hard thing to determine, you know, where that line is. If you've got him as a top five guy at nineteen, is that worth the trade off for giving up a, a fifth of his contract? And they obviously decided the answer was yes.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, and it's really four cheap years, and then you know you have the fifth year option, which is what the average of the top ten players uh, at the position. So you're yeah you're you're kind of you know, you're foregoing 25% of those four cheap years. So, I mean, there's definitely some significant downside, but they clearly just love the player.
1: Uh, Word is from uh, our resident scout, Blake Bettingfield that they really liked Eric McCoy in the second round and that they really liked Irv Smith in the second round. Uh, Missed out on both of those guys in part because New Orleans traded up in front of them. Uh, but found A.J. Brown sitting there at 51, a very good receiver from Old Miss, though he did play a lot of slot at Old Miss. He said that was largely uh, a function of getting the best guys on the field there um, and D.K. Metcalf being hurt and him needing to move around and that he's completely comfortable playing everywhere and running every route. And certainly the Titans are not going to be playing him primarily in the slot because they just spent a bunch of money on Adam Humphreys who looks a lot mm-hmm. more like your modern-day NFL slot guy, uh, unless they you know, sometimes play big slot, little slot, which certainly they can. But I would envision A.J. Brown as the starter on opening day in base opposite Corey Davis, um, mm-hmm. 6'1", 226, certainly a big guy, pretty good speed. And um, you know, hopefully for them, a, uh, a do-everything uh, receiver who proves to be a pretty good value at 51. Your thoughts on Brown?
0: Yeah, four four nine 4 9 speed. Um, as you mentioned, he moved around a lot, which was different from other guys in the Ole Miss offense. When you watch that offense, DK Metcalf always left, lined up on the left side, just never moved. Um, they had another guy who was drafted on day two, uh, Dawson Knox, a tight end, who had just no production. Uh, but he was really athletic, and I think that the, the Bills who took him probably think that he's got more upside to be a producer as a pass catcher than he was at Ole Miss. I mean, he had eight, he played 18 games at Ole Miss, and he had zero touchdowns. Um, you know, you watch that Ole Miss offense. It was, it was painful at times to watch. The quarterback, Jordan Tayamu was just not good, um, and the only guy that I thought was exciting to watch in the offense, and that's including DK Metcalf, because he would just line up on the left side and run, like, go routes, and, you know, sometimes they throw them screens, but the only guy that was fun to watch, I thought, was A.J. Brown in that offense. Um, you know, he left as old, he left after three seasons. He he set Ole Miss's all-time records in receiving yards and 100-plus-yard games. Uh, he averaged 7.6 career yards after catch per reception. Uh, he played, uh, he was a star baseball player in high school, and I think that you can kind of see that, in the way that he tracks the ball uh, downfield, he actually signed with the Padres out of high school. Um, so he checks so many boxes for me in terms of athleticism, check. In terms of um, production, you know, as Ole Miss's all-time leader in receiving yards and 100-plus yard games, check. And then when you watch him play, and because he moved around so much, he was a good route runner. You know, he became a good route runner because he played slot and outside. And I thought that he reminded me of Juju Smith-Schuster, who was drafted in the same sort of range, uh, mid to late second round pick. I I would be very excited about this if I was a Titans fan.
1: Titans have a habit, a long, long standing habit of screwing up uh, anybody they bring in who's the least bit promising as a draft pick, going back a long, long way. Very few success stories. Uh, for the Titans at wide receiver. So the prayer in Nashville um, is that this guy comes in, stays healthy, and actually is developed by <clears throat> a regime that hasn't had a chance to mess many people up yet. But uh, Corey Davis, obviously number five, just two years ago, hasn't really panned out yet. Hopefully, A.J. Brown will take some of the heat off of him. Um, and collectively, they, with Adam Humphreys, with a healthy Delaney Walker back um, can provide the best uh, group of targets that Marcus Mariota has had yet. Third rounder um, from small UNC Charlotte, um, Nate Davis, an offensive lineman, 6'3", 316, has some flexibility, certainly showed well at the Senior Bowl against guys from more high-profile programs, from more high-profile conferences, uh, mixed reviews on whether he's a, a you know a day one contributor at right guard, uh, or whether he's a guy that's going to need some time, maybe a year, mm-hmm. uh, looking in before he's ready. What 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 have you heard, and what's uh, what's your gut feel on that?
0: Yeah, I, you know, I kind of have him penciled in right now as a starting right guard. Of course, he's going to have to earn that, um, but. I think that he kind of fits their mentality because he's a bruising uh, offensive lineman. He played right guard as a freshman, sophomore, junior, played right tackle last year. Um, I think he's going to have to go back inside because he's got shorter arms, 33 and an eighth inch arms. Um but, I mean, he's, he's a drive blocker, and I think that that's, you know, my, my impression from listening to Arthur Smith, you know, uh, commit to Derrick Henry as the, the focal point of the offense this year. I think they're going to want to be a bruising team up front, and I think that he fits that mentality. Um, this offensive line has kind of underachieved, I think, over the past couple of years. It's looked good on paper entering seasons, and it just really has not delivered. Um, and, you know, hopefully this year they can, they can keep it healthy and Nate Davis can show that he's ready to play because I think he's probably got the most upside of of any of their right guard options.
1: Yeah. Delivered in 2016. And maybe that was a little Mm -hmm. bit more DeMarco Murray than, than we thought, uh, you know, Quentin Spain probably played his very best. Josh Klein probably played his very best. Ben Jones certainly played his very best. Uh, I think that was his first year here. Both the guards were placed now, Spain gone, and where did he go? I wound up in Buffalo, I think. Yep. Klein got uh, – he's got a ridiculously good agent because he got a good contract in Minnesota after the Titans got off the hook for uh, I think it was $2.5 million that we're going to guarantee. Uh, and now the Titans replace uh, those two with Roger Saffold, a, a proven uh, savvy veteran on the left side. He's going to play next to Lewan. And now either Davis on the right, uh, somebody like Pam Field or Corey Levin, or there's still a lot of people holding out, hope that the Titans would move Jack Conklin in there and let uh, Dennis Kelly play right. If they're going to do that, they've really been spending a lot of time paying lip service to the idea that Conklin's a tackle only, tackle only. I, I was on board for this. Hey, you got it to get your best five on the field. You've got to give serious consideration to moving Conklin to right guard. After I wrote that early in the offseason, three, four opportunities they've had to at least allow for the possibility, and every time they've said Conklin's a tackle for us, Kelly and Conklin are tackles for us. So they're going to have to go back on their word if, in fact, they look at Conklin in there, which I still think isn't beyond the realm of possibility, and they're going to have to decide in a couple days here about his fifth-year option. Uh, which would pay him $12 million in 2020 make him uh, right now the third highest paid right tackle in 2020, which seems exorbitant for a guy who we still don't quite know what he is, had a great, great rookie year with a lot of help, uh, particularly in in pass protection, Um, and who we don't yet know how he is knee-wise himself. He came back. From the ACL, he tore against New England in the playoff game. Uh, Missed the first three games of last year. Did not play particularly well last year. Then re-injured that knee to some degree. I don't think too, too seriously. Finished the season on IR. But Kelly outplayed him for sure. So they have some sorting out to do on the right side of that offensive line. For Mm -hmm. sure. And uh, it's going to be a Derrick Henry reliant team. So, I'm, and and Marcus has to stay upright. I'm sure everybody would like to know what that line is going to look like as soon as possible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that you know, the just the Nate Davis pick kind of tells you that they would prefer to use Conklin at right tackle, um, and then Dennis Kelly Kelly is like insurance for. You know, he's your swing tackle, but he's, he's your insurance in case Jack, Jack Conklin maybe starts, you know, struggles again or gets hurt again. Um, but I think that I think they're going to probably give Nate Davis every opportunity to to earn playing time early. Just I just think I just think that from a philosophy standpoint, an offensive philosophy standpoint, he fits what they want to do.
1: That would be uh, that would be an ideal scenario. We're visiting with Evan Silva, Roto World's senior editor. Uh, who writes the best preview fantasy columns in the country and much, much more. Uh, What we're going to do here is take a short break. I'll give you my sales pitch. You've uh, you've heard uh, us break down top three picks in the Titans draft. We're going to come back, break down the other three and then talk about the Titans as a fantasy team with uh, with their skill position players. But you only get that if you're a member of the site. Uh, And if you're not a member of the site, well, i bet you, you stop at Starbucks Starbucks periodically or drink uh, a fancy beverage periodically. And uh, if you had one less or one more, you could probably afford $5.99 a month. You get uh, the full podcast. You get membership to our private Facebook page. You get everything I write. You get everything Blake Bettingfield, the former Titan Scout writes in guest columns. You get uh, Periscope and Facebook Lives that are private, strictly for our membership. Uh, you get it all, and uh, it's certainly worth $5.99 a month. If you want to get the yearly, you get uh, 12 months for the price of 11 A complete steal when you think about all the things you spend that sort of money on you've got to have the jersey of your favorite player you've got to have uh you know your tickets to certain games you know if you're the fan that you claim to be you've got to be a member of this site also um so if you're a member we'll be right back with more with evan silva of roto world and if you're not no, it's time to go sign up. Then you can come back and listen to part two. We'll be right back.
0: The Paul Kaharski Podcast is a joint production of paulkaharski.com and Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L
1: Now.com.